You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. What a joy. This is such an amazing church in the middle of Long Beach. This is such a neat place to come to and to know the, the, the heritage of this church. And it's a joy just to see that, that row of, of uh, pastors, that's, uh, that have, uh, the, the men of God that have been in this church over the last decades. What a, what a blessing. Thank you for being here on a, on a Sunday morning. Uh, you are where you're supposed to be. Uh, we're here worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, what, a, what a thrill. Well, uh, I have my wife with me. Sweetheart, I want you to just at least stand up or, or wave or something. Let people know that's where she's at right there. You can, she does not like to be in the spotlight. And, uh, but uh, we, the Lord has given us uh, four wonderful children. Uh, we, we, went to, we went to China in 2003. Um, it was kind of like this. Um, I, was, I was working at that time for Mrs. Reynolds' dad. And I had told him I'd be there for a year. And then it turned into three years. And, you know, these things about, I'm going to go to China and serve God, it, 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 it sounds kind of like, uh, me? This guy's going to make it? No, I, I, I had the suspicion. I'd never actually make it. So you kind of keep it quiet. You don't want to, in case it just, you, you know, you know yourself. What's the chances that you'll ever end up overseas actually making it over there? And uh, so at, at one point, I finally went to my boss. And I said, Pastor, um, I, I think the Lord's uh, ready for us to, to go and uh, so we decided I was going to finish that school year and then go. And uh, so we just got married uh, and, and a couple months before that. And then we found out my wife was pregnant. And so um, I, I'll tell you, the truth was I was a little bit nervous. I, I was afraid people would think about me. If I, if I, if I went to, to a new country, I didn't know anybody, didn't speak the language, uh, it would just be irresponsible to take a pregnant wife there. Amen? I, I had a suspicion. I had a suspicion, though. That, uh, that once we had that baby, I could not take the baby to China on day two of the baby's life, and, you know? And then, you know, with grandma and grandpa and grandma and grandpa, it's going to be hard to then pull the baby away, and then probably baby number two is... And I realized I could see it where eventually God directs me another direction, you know, and uh, never actually make it. But I, I couldn't. I, I didn't want to look like a terrible husband and a horrible father, so I said, we're going to put everything on hold. We're going to have the baby here in America. And uh, so we got ready to, to do those plans. And, uh, and then my wife uh, miscarried. She lost the baby. And uh, that, that's something I'd seen happen in a church many times growing up. We were in a big, vibrant church and a lot of young couples. And there was always, a, you know, some other, uh, on the, a bunch of mothers on the list. And then you'd, you'd hear, pray for so-and-so, their family, that they, they lost their baby. And, and, I, and, and I always thought to myself as a, as a, as a young man, you know, that, that score's not a good thing, but it's not like they never knew the child, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not good, but it was everybody's like always, you know, kind of, oh, comforting them. It was like, okay, yeah, I'll pray for him. But when it actually happened to me, I, I realized that's, wow, that really hurt. Hurt a lot more than I was expecting it would. But it was interesting that the moment I got that news, I kind of knew that the Lord was saying, son, I want you to go. There's always going to be a reason not to go. There will never not be a good reason not to go. And so uh, I told my wife, I said, uh, I said if, if, if before we get to China, you get pregnant again, we're going to have the baby in China. My logic was they've had more babies than any other place. They know how to do this. And uh, so, so we, uh, we did exactly that. So when we got to China, we arrived in Beijing. My wife was six months pregnant. And so our, our son was born in Beijing. And so he's not American. That's why he's still over there. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's, he's American. 
And uh, so we had, uh, we had three girls after that, all in China, two in Beijing, two in the next city where we started a church in Chengdu. And so uh, they, the, the Lord, uh, we, we came back for, the, for our first furlough, actual furlough. We'd, we'd never had one and came back in 2019 in September. We had to be out for exactly 185 days. The main reason we're coming back were some tax purposes. The Chinese had changed their tax code somewhat. And so for those who had not been out of China, foreigners, there was going to be some new rules. So we needed to be out for exactly six months. So we had our tickets for 185 days later, and that put us right into the middle of March 2020. And so that meant those tickets were canceled. And so uh, you know, that 15 days just to flatten the curve, remember that, just stretched out forever and ever. And our, eventually we, our visas expired. And, and uh, so uh, I, I continued to pastor the church over the Internet because they were locked down too, right? And so we did that for a couple of years, waiting to get back in. And, uh, and at one point, I actually had a visa myself. They, they wouldn't give them to my, my, my wife or children, but they gave one to me because I owned a business over there. And so uh, I actually had to go back. And then I got, I had gotten COVID a few weeks before that. I was better, I, I, testing negative. But then uh, when I went to go, the day before, I had to take one more special test. It's uh, from one special lab, and they had draw blood and stuff. And somehow I failed that. And so, uh, so they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't give me the green light to go into China. So I had one more chance before that special visa that was a 30-day visa that left on it. They, uh, uh, and then I did it two weeks later, tried again, uh, right before the visa expired, and I failed again. I don't know why. I just, like, the COVID things loved me, I guess, or something. And so, uh, so we had to start all over and just could not get back in. And so then the Lord finally made it very clear to me that he was going to show me the next step in my life. And uh, when when the men of the church, my dad had pastored for 19 years, uh, called me and said, would you, would you become our pastor? It was not on my bucket list. My dad had asked me many times, would you consider taking over the church when I retired? And the answer always been, I know, I know it's not God's will, dad. That's uh, not really. And so then, uh, but he had just, he, if, if the Lord had not shown it to me about a month prior before that, that uh, began to come pass, I would have never, it would have been an instant no. But uh, it was, was, uh, took a little while. So now we, we, uh, we are settled into America. And uh, we, I have not been to China since, so we hopefully get there pretty soon. I've got two of my older kids going first. They're going to see if it's safe. If it's safe, I'll go. And uh, it's something like that. Uh, but uh, praise the Lord. It's, it's a joy to serve God. And uh, I, I've gotten to grow up in, in some amazing places and some neat churches. God has blessed you with a uniquely gifted pastor and pastor's wife. And uh, I'm sure you're probably familiar or aware of the fact that, you're, that they get asked, your pastor is to speak out a lot because he's a help to a lot of churches. And as those opportunities come, I thank you for letting him take those opportunities because they are an amazing asset for your church and for you to be willing to share them with other churches and let us uh, outside of your church uh, benefit and be exhorted by the gifts God's given to them is, is a tremendous blessing. So thank you for doing that. Amen. Well, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 6, the sixth chapter of Genesis. Have you ever felt like it's impossible in this generation, in this era, in this society? You ever look around and get so discouraged, you're like, it is impossible. We, we live in an era where it's, you look around and you're like, and, and, and teenagers, let me just say something. Have you, well, let me ask you this first. You guys are sitting in the front row, it's easy to do the survey. 
Has anybody ever, have you ever heard anybody talk about it's the worst era ever? It's like the worst generation. Have you ever, do you guys hear, you guys, yes, yeah. And I feel bad for you. It's like you're, I don't know what the letter is we're up to now. Whatever the letter is, your generation or whatever is it, you know, whatever it is. It's always the worst one. And, and you're, you're so impolite and you don't work hard. You're lazy. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, when I was a teenager, they said the same thing about my, my generation. And uh, it's been that way for a while now, where every generation is the worst generation ever. And uh, I, I grew up as a teenager in the 1990s, and, and our country was spiraling right down the, the drain right then. And it, and, and it was the worst. It was terrible. And, and it was getting worse every single day. And don't worry, Jesus is coming back. The year 2000 is almost here, and he's coming back right around there. So just try to make it to the end kind of a thing. And uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was kind of uh, scary, you know, all these, these and there were, there were bad things that were taking place during that time, which we are now reaping the repercussions of for sure. And the same thing's happening right now. But I'll be totally frank with you. We are living in a nasty time, in a crazy time, in a, in a, I don't think there has ever been a society that has been depraved in the ways. Now, there's probably been worse in some other ways and so forth, and, uh, but in, in, the, in the particular odd ways that our society has become very depraved, there's been no society like that in all of history. You know that there's, I don't believe, I don't, I mean, I enjoy history. I have never come across another society that could not identify the difference between a man and a woman and thought it was, the word is fluid, but that was, that's, that's, that's a brand new thing in all of history, brand new, and it's our society that came up with it and that pushes it as a religion. Now, you will be persecuted, honestly, if you do not adhere to it, and if you don't agree with it, keep it quiet. And it's kind of like we're, we're growing up in, 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 in just with the, the, the violence and, and the, the out-of-control crime and, and the hopelessness uh, and the, the, the different uh, drug epidemics that are just taken over. And then you, you, you hear about, as, as, I, as I get to do, uh, we have teachers in, in public school that come to our church and, and you, you hear, I mean, you hear, obviously you hear the anecdotes of how bad it is, but then you actually have people that are in it, that are experiencing it. That are that are there, and and then the idea that the like the the, the best the best middle school in our city, uh, where where you, your little girl goes there. Oh, you're selected to go there. Oh no, you don't go to the bathroom. And that, that, that you're what? And 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 to have a, a a junior high girl in the best school in her class who's now pregnant. It's just unbelievable. Like, what? This is we are in insanity mode. And the answer then it comes back is it's not possible. You can't make it. It's, we, we live in a crazy world. I don't know how you are, but uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I worry about my kids going to the Christian school. You know what I mean? I worry about the, 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 the youth group. How are, how are the influences there and what's going on there? And, 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 and as, a, as, a, as a dad, as a pastor, it can almost get to the place where you, you throw up your hands and say, is it, is it, is it, is there any hope? It's hard to watch those who I served the Lord with just a few years ago. We were, we were going in the same exact direction. And we would have preached against the same dangers. And then to watch even that, 
as, as, as churches change, as they embrace things that, that just that slow progression down to changing into being more and more carnal, more and more worldly, and to watch it happen all around, at, at, at some point it just becomes, you feel so isolated and so alone. And in that isolation, you can almost feel like, I'm the last one, what's the point? What am I doing? But this morning I want to tell you that there was a generation that was facing very similar challenges to what we're facing, but on an even greater scale than we're at right now. We're going to look at that society right now. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, it says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. What does that look like? What is wickedness being great? Well, look at the next phrase. And that, the, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you realize it did not say it was evil? It says it was evil continually, but it didn't stop there. It was only evil continually. What, what did that society look like? Whatever it was, you are about to see one of the saddest verses in the Bible. In fact, it's the very first time in the entire Bible you will find repentance. And oddly enough, it's not a man repenting of his sin. It's our creator regretting that he had made the world. Look at verse number 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man. On the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah, one man, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This morning, I want to tell you something. You can make it. In this society, you can make it. I want to go one step further, and I want to tell you some pretty amazing statistics. This is an amazing statistic, almost unbelievable. 100% of that man's family made it. This morning, I want to give you some great news. You can make it. Your whole family can make it. Even here. Even now. Let's pray. Father, as we go a little bit deeper into this, pray you please convince us, Lord, from your word that there is still hope that we can make it that our son can make it, that our daughter can make it, that our wife and our marriage can make it. That doesn't matter what anything else happens outside of that unit. It's enough if we have you in our family. I pray you please raise up a godly seed all throughout this room. Individual families who would commit themselves to making it, even if nobody else does. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a wicked, wicked society. 
I want you to just go down a little bit. When he goes to, uh, just, just skip down verse 11, it says, the earth was also, also was corrupt before God. Now, let me, let me define this a little bit. The Bible is going to define it, the next phrase. It says that the earth was filled with violence. Filled with it. Now, this is one way in which I can tell you, by God's grace, our society, no matter how violent it has become, and it has become ever more violent, but we have not reached this level yet. Now, it does, it does bother me that we, in our society, even if we're not actually taking, oftentimes, real people and dismembering them, we do do that on screens in our home and call it entertainment. We will kill hundreds and thousands of people in front of our very eyes, and we will call that fun. And now we have technology where we can have a controller. And when I was a little kid, I remember, remember the Atari system. Now, now I wasn't rich enough to have Atari when, it first, Atari when it first came out. I got Atari when it was already kind of oldish. And so I got the games cheap, you know what I mean? But it, back in the day, it was a little dot that was killing another dot. And then that dot became this pixelated little man shooting little pixelated balls and blowing up pixelated creatures. And then it slowly, it slowly advanced to eventually, I remember as a teenager, there was a great, amazing game. It was a first-person shooter. And it, you, were, you, were, you, were in the, you were a captive in this German prison camp. And you had this gun that was out there. And it was so advanced, in my memory at least. It was amazing. And don't ever go back and look at screenshots of old games. You'll, you'll be really d- discouraged and see how bad the graphics were back then. But at that time, we knew that those weird gray dots were the German Shepherd. We understood that somehow. And uh, now you can't tell it because uh, but back then. But I remember as a teenager that, that the cool feeling that that gun pointing out, it was no longer me controlling another guy on the screen. It became a first-person shooter. And don't worry, I was killing Nazi guards. It's okay. And, and I went and the guy you could see this red stuff i knew there was blood i would explain it to you now you wouldn't be able to tell but this is and but don't worry the body after about 10 seconds just faded away and you just kept going and shooting more people and, and, and german shepherds but i remember one time my sister she said can i play and something bothered me about my sister just shooting people and these guys like no no you're a girl and then something in my head said is it okay for you I thought it was. So I kept going. You know, since then, it blows my mind how good it's gotten. You know what also blows my mind? It doesn't bother us. We are training ourselves to shoot ever more realistic other people, including civilians. Oops. And eventually you have games coming out where you on purpose are shooting people that don't deserve to die. Then you have actual violence on our streets, which I don't have to tell you living in this area too much about. We're living in a violent, violent era. But in Noah's day, the earth was filled with violence. As someone who believes his Bible, it bothers me how often I'll hear someone talk about how cruel the God I love is to have killed the entire population in a great worldwide flood. Let me tell you that if you had been living in that day, you would have seen that as his mercy because of how terrible the society had degenerated into. 
and there was one man. You say, well, maybe there's some other good ones. Well, I'll give you a little clue here. The Bible tells us that this man Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was out preaching, building this big boat. You know the boat. We'll get there in a second. Do you know how many people got on that boat? Just Noah and his family. Do you know what that means? You know, now, realize that when I raise my kids, uh, my, my oldest is now 20 years old, and we're coming to that end where we have our influence in his life is already starting to diminish in the sense that before I chose everything for him, and now he has more and more and more independence. And so I, you get about two decades at most. That's about what you get. Do you realize that this, this whole episode is going to go on for about 120 years while he's building this massive, massive boat? And do you realize that in that entire time, he never had one other family join him in his ministry of building the ark? Now, let me say, you are very blessed to have a place that has a youth group. A lot of kids are going to house churches right now in China where there's no other teenagers. We know it right now. My wife just showed me a picture this morning. Uh, of, of, of the church we started and then they had a, a, a service yesterday and there's a picture and look down and, and there's a couple of, you know, they don't have what you got they definitely have a, a youth pastor dedicated just to that one thing boy you're so lucky let me tell you something could you make it without a youth group it sure helps having a youth group done it could you make it let me tell you something no one made it and when he got on the ark Somebody else came with him. Look at me in verse number nine. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This morning, as I'm talking to this crowd right now, every single one of us, all of us come from those three boys right there. Not one of us came from a different lineage. We're all here brothers in that sense. Amen. We all had the same great-great-great-grandfather named Noah. And we all came from those three boys, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And here we are. You know why there's nobody else? Because nobody else got on the ark. Nobody else did. Just his family. So here was the situation. They, had, they were living in a depraved society. Absolutely depraved. And then God has now said, I am going to destroy this planet. I'm going to destroy it. He goes and says this to, to, to Noah. He says in verse number 13, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark and pitch it within and without with pitch. And this was, is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits and the breadth of it 50 cubits and the height of it 30 cubits. And a window shalt thou make in the ark and a, cu- uh, and, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower and second and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. This curse was coming. Let me see. It was too late. There was nothing they could do 
to stop the judgment that was descending. But they could prepare themselves to avoid that judgment. Now, you and I are living in a society that is headed for a judgment. Let me encourage you right now that if you're not prepared for that judgment, you're going to go through it, and it is not going to be pleasant on any level. And just like this warning where he tells Noah exactly what he's going to do, the Bible has given us very specific descriptions of what he is going to do when he judges this planet the last time. You can go into your Bible and read it, and let me just encourage you to believe it. So now Noah is living in a depraved society, and there is a judgment that is certain and unavoidable. Now here's how Noah made it through. He did not experience the judgment. While he was in his little ark floating on top of those waters, the rest of his society was being destroyed. How did he make it? And here's the answer, by grace. It was not because he was such a good man, although he was a good man. It was because of grace. What grace is, is God's unmerited favor, where he favors you not because of how good you are, not because you come to the right church, not because you got baptized in the baptistry, but because you simply put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. That is how someone receives the grace of God, to be saved from the wrath to come. And Noah's exact same situation. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, how did this happen? Well, here's how it happened. Here's the same way that you and I get to go to heaven and avoid the wrath of God on this planet is the same way that he got to be in that ark and go to the other side and survive the judgment that destroyed every other man, woman, and child. And here was the answer. He believed God. The book of, of Hebrews says this. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. God warned him. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you something that's, that's, that's important to know. He believed the warning. That's the, that's the most important thing he did his whole life. He believed God's warning. He believed it. Do you realize that as he began to warn other people, no other family believed it? His neighbor didn't believe it. His brother-in-law didn't believe it. His cousins didn't believe it. His aunt didn't believe it. His best friend in high school didn't believe it. His coworkers back in the job didn't believe it. But he warned them and he warned them and they didn't believe it. The only thing that changed for this man was that he believed the warning that God gave him and moved with fear. This morning, let me encourage you. Believe it. There is a God. He is righteous. You and I are sinners. And we will pay in judgment eternally in hell for our sin. Unless we receive our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the first thing he did right. Let me tell you the second thing he did right. Do you realize that he changed his whole lifestyle? His whole life's mission changes 
his lifestyle changes, and his mission changes. Not just for Noah, but for Ham, Shem, and Japheth. His boys. How did it change? Could you imagine what that must have been like? They have the family meeting. They gather around. He's like, uh, all right, kids. Uh, things are going to change around here now. Um, I'm going to be starting a new project in the backyard. Buying a few acres. And um, we're going to be buying a lot of wood. I'm going to need your help. What are we doing? We're going to build a boat. Here? Yeah. There's no water. I know, I know. But we're going to build there's a flood coming. Daddy, what's a flood? Water. Where's the water going to come from? I'm not sure. But there's a flood coming. How does the water get here, Dad? I don't know. It's going to fall out of the sky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's going to be a flood. How do you know, Dad? God told me. Okay. So now they start this project. How long before his, their, their, their friend comes over to play baseball? He's like, you got to play baseball? No, we got to do chores. What are you guys doing over here anyway? Building a boat. That is so weird. Why do you guys, you guys are just, you guys have a weird family. Yeah, <laughs> got to admit something to that. Do you realize that within 20 years of that, they're still building their family boat? It's starting to take shape, you know, these massive beams there. And do you realize they are the talk of the neighborhood? They are the odd family. Do you realize how odd it must have been to be Japheth? To be like, yeah, I'm uh, one of the Noah people. Yeah, that's, that's my dad, and I, I help him do it. But do you realize that somehow, some way, all three boys kept hammering away. He did not have one of his sons who's sulking, sulking, starts missing. Pretty soon he just doesn't show up. I'm an adult dad. I can do what I want to do. Son, I need your help. Besides that, I need you to get on this. I, I am not. I am never. No. I am. There is no way, okay? It's already bad enough, okay? Because everybody knows I'm your son. I'm, this, you guys are so weird. Do you realize that never happened? I am done with this, Dad. I am done. You say, how did it happen? Let me tell you something. I don't have all the answers to how it happened, but I tell you, it did happen. And if it happened for Noah, it can happen in your, heart, in your home too. Do not come to the place where you decide, well, my kids are going to go, they're going to go. And they're gonna. No, you continue to work and work and pray and, and, and fight for your children. Don't believe that they're going to have to just go that direction. They're going to be part of this, this society. They're going to have to just accept all, all, all the, the ridiculous beliefs that can be constructed. It's ridiculous what's out there. And my kids are going for it. That's fine. Bye. Now they're starting to dress like that. Now they got the hair like that. Now they got the crazy the markings all over their flesh. And then, and then it's, that's sad. But we just kind of, you know, just, it's just have to, you know, be patient with him. That was not Noah. Somehow he made it. And you can too. His lifestyle was just so strange. But he made it. I don't know how he did not get, let his kids get sucked into the vortex.
because I, I think about it and I say, preacher, he didn't have Gethsemane Baptist Church. He didn't have the youth group. He didn't have a Christian school. All the other families around them were, were, were all participating in this. But they made it. Now, in the book of First Peter, it says this. Second Peter, excuse me. It says this. That God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. That's an amazing little clue right there. He was a preacher of righteousness. Now, let me, let me explain to you. The, the only thing that is that's harder than living differently from everybody else and doing things different than everybody else, that when they're like, so are you going to be part of the Little League team? No, we go to church on Wednesday nights. Instead, it's, no, we go to church on Wednesday nights. Why do you guys do that? Because we're Christians. That's weird. I don't care. That's who we are. We're peculiar. It's okay. Why do you guys dress like that? Because we love Jesus. I think it's weird. I don't care. It's who we are. Why don't you want to go with us? I don't do that. Why? Because I love Jesus. It's really fun. I don't care. You're weird. So what? I don't do that. It's one step further, though, to become a preacher of righteousness. To begin to warn the world of the wrath to come. And let me say that those boys had to watch their dad as he stood up on the street corner telling people, It's coming! There's a judgment coming! What are you talking about, Noah? There's coming a flood! I mean, like, water's going to kill you guys. Get on my boat. Where's, what water? I don't know yet, but it's coming. You know who's watching that whole thing? Ham. It's my dad. Japheth. Here he goes again. For all you sons and daughters, let me just advise you. Don't be ashamed if your mom and dad stand up for righteousness. Stand up there. Don't look down at your shoes. Support that. I've got to wear this tie, so I'm going to get as loose as I possibly can. They make me wear a tie. They make me wear these, these pants that are like... For old men, I'm going to put them down as far as I can. Try at least, I'm just trying to, like, you know, do I look cool yet? Afraid I'm uncool. Instead, how about this? Embrace it. Yep, I look sharp. Yeah, I, I dress up. I'm not part of the dress down crowd. I dress up. That's who we are. And you know what? I love Jesus. And he's right. You ought to repent. And you ought to get on our boat. If you are going to make it in the society, you're not going to get your kids to make it if you believe it half-heartedly. The only way you're going to make it is if you become someone who stands up and actually embraces the truth. The day came when they got on the ark. This really crazy thing happened. All these 
animals began just, just flowing through the town, down the street, into Noah's backyard, and onto this huge boat that has been there for 120 years. It's just, it's famous around here. We've been watching it for this whole time. It's so weird. They keep working on it, though. It's another thing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, these animals are like, whoa, that is weird. What are you, why are you putting them on there? What are you going to do? You start a gazoo? You guys, are, you guys are so weird. You guys are so weird. Then that day came when Noah that last time says, get on with me, please. Get on yourself, Noah. Have a good time. You close the, okay. No, no. Isolate, are you? Okay. Good neighbors there. <laughs> do you realize that it all changed in a second once those first drops began to fall from the sky? And began to fall harder and harder and harder. Do you realize that for all those decades, they were the oddballs. Instantly they became the only place of refuge. And yet it was already too late. If you will embrace righteousness in an unrighteous world. If you will stand up for God amongst ungodliness. You will go through a small span of time. When it's all said and done, it's very short. In which you are strange to everybody out there. To the, to, to the, to the darkness, the light is just so crazy and, and, and unwanted. And would you please just shut your mouth. And if you're going to do that stuff, fine. Do it your own, okay? And don't push it on to us. Don't. Get out of here. And you're going to be strange that whole time. Until that moment when you're not. To that moment when you are now in glory with God and you are now his son standing in his presence and he is now giving you the rewards of a faithful service and then you mount your horse and come beside his on his great white horse as he comes down from heaven to judge this wicked world and you're going to be with him. At that moment, you're going to be the cool guy that fast. It's worth it. This morning, if you're in this room and you're not saved, you don't want to become weird like the other Christians and what's this thing? And Let me just say, you're going to be one of those outside that ark, pounding on it. And Noah's going to say, I can't, nothing, the door's shut. I didn't close it. God closed it. I, I wish. <laughs> Noah, please let me in. I can't. I can't. And you went all those that time where you, you were part of the in crowd and everything was fine. Now you can't get on that boat. I imagine for Ham, for Shem, and for Japheth, Japheth, as they floated on that boat, eating all the animals every day, eventually coming to rest on Mount Ararat and stepping off into an incredibly bleak and quiet world. At that moment, the fashion that was so in, it's gone. The band that everybody wanted to go to and see the concerts, nothing. Everything that mattered before that flood no longer matters one iota. And let me say, they did not look at their dad like, why'd you make us build this thing? It made perfect sense. This morning, you might be in here and say, Pastor, why do we have to do this? And why do we have to go to this thing? And why, and why are our church like this weird? Why are we like, you'll understand someday. It'll make perfect sense. Someday, it'll make sense. Right now, 
you live in a strange world, in an ungodly world. Your family can make it. You can make it. Do not buy into the lie that you have to go along with it, even if in the end, in the end, Noah's church did not make it. His boys' youth group did not make it. The, the, the ladies' Bible study did not make it. It was just Noah and his family. And you would think, well, I guess they have no hope. They didn't have a church. They didn't have a ladies' Bible study. They didn't have a youth group. They didn't have all these activities. They didn't have anything. I guess we just surrender to it. No. No. And if the day comes when it's just you and yours, do not, even at that moment, surrender. You will stand before your Savior one day, and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant.